And that together is a story that they can tell to a potential investor about why they're a good investment. The generation of entrepreneurs that, that we've been working with and that we've been meeting here really are as good as the best entrepreneurs anywhere in the world. Welcome to McKinsey Israel on High Tech, featuring discussions on technology, business, and management. This podcast is brought to you by McKinsey Israel Tech Hub, where we help tech companies and startups realize their full potential. Hello, everyone. I'm Pelek Dekalo, a consultant in McKinsey Israel. And for this episode, I sat down with two McKinsey senior partners based in Israel. David Chin, who manages and leads our office here, and Jay Jubas, who's the leader of Fuel by McKinsey, our global division dedicated to helping startups and investors accelerate growth, and which in Israel we call the Tech Hub. We discussed the ways in which a global firm like McKinsey supports the many and specific needs of startups in the Israeli market, taking a look at the challenges many companies are facing and how we approach thinking through those issues. Hopefully many of these will resonate and we can all learn something along the way. Now please, sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. David, Jay, first of all, thank you for joining. And let's start from a quick introduction. David, you mind going first? Sure. Uh, so I'm David Chin. I'm a senior partner in McKinsey and the managing partner of McKinsey in Israel. I've been at McKinsey since 1996. And for about the last 20 years, I've spent most of my time uh, in the aerospace and defense industry, working with uh, governments, particularly helping armed forces, and a lot in aerospace and defense companies uh, on every area from strategy to manufacturing, supply chain. Jay, it's not your first time, but still, we want to hear from you. Thank you. Nice to be back, uh, Pelek. Thank you for inviting me. So my name is Jay Jubis. Like David, I joined in 1996. I'm a physicist by training, and I spend my time working with technology companies telecommunications companies and media companies as well. Uh, I spent the first 24 and a half years of my career in North America, working with clients mostly in North America and Latin America. Half a year ago, a little more than half a year ago, I moved to Israel uh, to be part of this wonderful tech ecosystem in this wonderful country. And I am leading now on behalf of McKinsey, a division within McKinsey called Fuel that works with startups. We work with, uh, with companies at different stages in their life cycle, from early stage to exit, and then in, in cases beyond uh, exit. And we help them on a range of topics uh, that have to do with fundraising, have strategy, operational improvements, um, scaling, a large range of, of uh, ways we work with companies in this um, vibrant economy. David, it would be great if you can help our listeners understand a bit about McKinsey's overarching methodology and how it's adapted to serve the tech industry here in Israel. So McKinsey's been around for a long time. We started in 1928 and, uh, and really created the modern profession of management consulting. McKinsey's a global company. We have over 100 offices in 50 countries and uh, over 35,000 professionals working for us. I think the primary feature of how we serve clients is that we serve all clients as clients of the global firm. So, you know, we're talking about Israeli tech companies, uh, 
a tech company in Israel, first of all, is in almost no case an Israeli company in the traditional sense of the world. It's a, it's a company with a global customer base that often started in Israel, sometimes is, is based in Israel. And when McKinsey supports them, it does so with a global team. We have Jay and the Tech Hub team here, uh, physically close, bringing global perspectives, but always a group of experts from around the world. So, you know, you might have our biotech experts from our Boston hub or our fintech experts from London, Frankfurt or New York, uh, or a manufacturing expert from India helping you with offshore manufacturing. So in every case, whatever the company needs, McKinsey assembles a team from around the world to help them with their issue. Generally speaking, David, how serving a tech company or even more so a tech startup is different than serving clients pertaining to other sectors? So I spent a lot of my career serving very large companies. And often for them, in addition to working out what to do, actually making it happen is very complex. There are a lot of different interests. There's a lot of different uh, people involved, a complex organization structure. Startups have none of those issues. One of the ways in which we serve startups that's different is we solve their problems much more quickly. Startups, by definition, they're early in their life, they're changing very fast, they're growing very fast, so they need generally quick solutions, not complex solutions to their problems. And they, co- they constantly change and evolve. Uh, you know, the, the famous pivot, first of all, they, they often change what their business is. And then as they grow, they have to adapt continually to doing that. And so we have to adapt the way we serve them to the stage of the life cycle that they're in. And maybe the other thing that's really different between startups and larger organizations, startups have to continually raise money to fund their operations. Uh, and that raising of money creates many big transactional moments in their life for which they have to prepare which they have to be able to tell their story in a compelling way. We have a series of ways in which we support companies going through that particular moment of truth in their development. Jay, anything to add to that from your point of view? Sure, I agree 100% with what David said. I mean, just to put some rough numbers on it, um, when, we, when we work with a large organization, a strategy engagement might be three, four, five months. Typically, startup and engagement would be three to four weeks, five weeks uh, at, at tops, because what they need is an answer. They need it quickly. They need enough of a fact base on which they can form the basis of them taking action, but they don't need more than that. There isn't the whole alignment that needs to be created. There's one or two decision makers, and they go, and they go quickly. And by bringing in experts from around the world, we're able to meet that, that need for speed. So I think not much really to add to what David said, but it is a dramatic difference in terms of the speed with which we give the answers and um, the ability to go from answer to implementation, essentially instantaneously. Now, after laying out more of the client engagement structural differences, if you will, let's dive into the content of those engagements. What kind of business and management challenges startups experience? Startups uh, face three sets of, of challenges. First of all, they have to work out what their strategy is. It starts with, what is my product and who am I selling it to? Then it, it might be, how do I enter a new market? Or how do I extend beyond my existing product to take advantage of the customer base 
that I've built. And then strategic questions like M&A. If I want to pivot to a different direction, should I do it through uh, building this myself, through acquiring? And what does that do to the company? The second set of issues are around telling an equity story. So in order to raise money, you have to convince investors that you're a good investment. We call that an equity story. It has a narrative component. What, what's the situation in the world that lets me create this opportunity? What's my solution to that, to that opportunity in the world? And how do I differentiate myself uh, in order to deliver against that opportunity? Uh, and then what are all the numbers behind that? How big is that market? What is the value I create? And then ultimately, what's my business plan? What is the revenue and cost projections that enable me to convince investors that I'm actually going to make money in the long run? And then finally, as you grow a company, there are many functional issues, sales and go-to-market, manufacturing, distribution, pricing, and so on, uh, which are all issues that uh, evolving companies and large companies need to solve on a continuing and ongoing basis. So those are the three sets of issues that we find ourselves addressing. Obviously, they're quite varied. So to sum up, we are speaking about strategic challenges, support and fundraising, and handling functional issues, which all three are, of course, broad sets of challenges. And within those, we can find a lot of subsets of challenges. My suggestion is that we'll make these three challenges more lively through examples. And let's start from strategy problems. Jay, do we have any example there? Sure. Though I might reframe it from problems to opportunities. Startups are generally successful by relentlessly focusing on a customer problem. They identify a problem that a group of customers has and they relentlessly focus on solving that problem in the best possible way, delivering value to a particular set of customers who are solving a particular problem. And startups, unlike large organizations, do not have the wherewithal to be focusing on all the other applications that a technology uh, that they've created may um, help solve. And when the time is right, they will often ask, we see many, many potential applications of our technology. When and what should we focus on next? Um, we've got this machine, 95% of our energy is going to continue going into that machine, but we need to start taking steps. If we're going to have a new offering in 12 months or 18 months, we need to start taking steps now to figure out what that new offering should be. And very often they will invite us in because we tend to bring very deep understanding of their end customers. So to give you one particular example, we worked uh, within the last year at a company um, in the fintech space which excelled at a particular uh, solution and a part of, of uh, uh, in this case, of uh, insurance companies. And the business was growing very, very well. But the realization was that the AI-based technology that they had had many, many other potential applications, both within the insurance vertical as well as many potential other verticals. And the work we did with them was to very quickly go through all the potential use cases of their particular technology, leverage the understanding we have of the potential customers in each of the potential verticals that they technology could have been relevant to. And through a process of understanding the competitive uh, situation in each of the other uh, verticals that this was potentially relevant to, and understanding the core technology that this company had and the level of effort it would take to create an offering that would be compelling, we helped them prioritize 
and I don't want to give away exactly what the solution was, but we helped them go from a fairly long list of potential use cases for the technology to one or two that they were going to focus on. And they're now in the process of creating an offering with a pilot customer and have very large expectations for what that will achieve. Especially for startups that need to move fast and where the cost of moving forward in the wrong route in the wrong direction is higher, they must make sure they're moving in the right direction. Now on to our next big issue, fundraising. David, what can you share with us on that front? So I, I think this is most relevant to companies that have, should we say, a less than simple story to tell. I mean, if you have a simple product in a well-established category, then typically those companies find it relatively easy to tell the story. But many of the companies we work with are, in fact, inventing their own categories. So we worked with a, a company recently that actually has an amazing technology that is relevant to many different markets. And it sits across a, a number of different categories. And so telling the story of where the value is going to come from for this, what let's call it a platform technology, is actually quite complicated. So we actually had to look across the entire universe of potential applications, more than 50 different potential applications. We then had to categorize them by the ones where they already had pilot projects and were on the, on the way to establishing product market fit. Those which were credible in the near term and those which frankly were less likely because they depended upon other things happening in the world that made those markets more more interested in this technology solution and then to try and work out what's the addressable market for a product that doesn't exist anywhere uh, across all of these different categories and what would it take for them to be successful, understand the competitive environment, particularly the more accessible markets? There are different solutions that meet some of the needs. What's the value to customers? And for a product that doesn't exist, how do you work out what the revenue might be? You can only understand it in how much of the possible value you create for your customers would they be willing to share with you? And does that make sense given the costs of providing that solution? And so. That, in, a, in the end, leads you from a story about how this company is literally planning to change the world through to a very detailed business plan that says if they have these milestones in these markets, they can expect this kind of revenue versus this kind of cost base. And therefore, you can see a path over time to potential profitability. And finally, a real understanding of the risks to that so that an investor can understand really what they're getting into. And that together is a story that they can tell to a potential investor about why they're a good investment and how they would ultimately make money that could reward that investor. So that's an equity story. What a great example, and especially when a startup is kind of targeting, a, you know, an uncharted territory. Telling your story in a concise and compelling way can definitely come in handy. And another thing that David mentioned, the third and last one, um, scaling functional capabilities. It's all about scale. So let's talk a little bit about that. No, absolutely. So uh, we see that in many, many varieties. We see that in uh, scaling organizational capabilities in the commercial organization. We will find cases where we need to help a company build sales operations. Many companies will have sort of rudimentary sales organization, but as the company grows, they have not put in place all the discipline that a proper sales operation, sales organization would have. Um, so we, I would say a lot of the work we do tends to be in the commercial areas, but 
interestingly, we're completing work right now with a company that is in the uh, medical device space. And their particular challenge is they created a very, very interesting technology, but the cost of the device they created is very expensive. And for pilot deployments, it's quite fine. The customers who adopt their technology will create much more value from it to offset the cost. But they know that if they have hopes of really scaling the business, they need to take the cost of the device down by a considerable amount of money, 40% or so. We work with the client on a redesign of their medical device in this case, leveraging a design to value capability we have in Europe where we tear down the product and really go back to basics of uh, electronics design and help them lower the cost of materials, what actually is in there and what can be replaced with lower cost, what can be designed a little bit differently so that certain expensive components are not needed. Uh, so half of the value has come from a redesign uh, and then half of the value came from just helping them understand a lean manufacturing assembly process. This is an assembled product. Um, there are best practices uh, that device companies have for uh, assembling such products at lo much lower cost using uh, lean approaches. So we help them design a, a much lower cost assembly operation. And we also encourage companies to do those things uh, as as soon as possible to do those revamps of their cost structure in order to just scale more healthily. A hundred percent. It's all about scale. I mean, the first step is proving that you've got a solution that works that adds value to your customer. And once you've got product market fit, you've got customers who are willing to pay for your device, that roadmap by what you're going to show your customers that you can take down, uh, you can improve the economics of the offering um, quite quickly is very, very um, key to enabling the co companies to scale. So important to be thinking about that. What's the price point you really need to hit and show that you can make money and add value to customers at that price point. You both got the chance to work with a lot of Israeli entrepreneurs in the past few years. So what is your general impression when Israeli entrepreneurs, when compared to entrepreneurs from the rest of the world, and what would be your top advice? Well, the first thing I would say is uh, I've been remarkably impressed with the um, sophistication of Israeli entrepreneurs. I had met many entrepreneurs 10, 15 years ago, and it was, it was quite different. Brilliant technologists, but generally... Um, less um, sophisticated business people, less global awareness of what's going on. And the, the generation of entrepreneurs that, that we've been working with and that we've been meeting here really are as good as the best entrepreneurs anywhere in the world. Really remarkable understanding of customers, remarkable understanding of the businesses that customers are in, not just technology out, but really thinking uh, market back, customer back. So Israeli entrepreneurs are remarkable. Um, uh, you know, I, I think the one piece of advice I might give is to be thinking long term, right? Uh, again, it's a hard act to do because you have to have that relentless focus on solving the customer problem. But as a founder or as a CEO of a, of a scaling company, really be, th be thinking 24 months out, 36 months out where you want to be and um, start planting seeds for how the company is going to not just scale its current offering, but scale you know, the a technology platform or scale, whatever they have to, um, to really change the world in a more profound way than perhaps the path they might see immediately in front of them. David. So, uh, I mean, uh, like Jay, I'm super impressed by the people that I've met. I think the thing that, uh, that I most enjoy when I talk to entrepreneurs, the ones who are honest, who admit how many times they've had to transform themselves as leaders through the journey of their company. It's a very different person who can lead a three-person startup coming up with an idea 
to someone who can lead a you know 300 or even 3,000 person organization and when it's the same individual that's an incredible journey of self-transformation uh, I think I, I would uh, echo Jay's thing about thinking long term but I, I would think long term also about the team the Israeli talent market is getting very tight for people which is I think forcing you know first of all a more global approach to sourcing talent uh, but having the, the key professionals just before you need them. Key senior management positions is critical. We, we, we observe a you know, real challenge finding, for example, experienced CFOs in Israel who can help a company get ready to go public, for example. Uh, finding people early and being able to attract them. Sometimes it takes a campaign to find a person like that that can take many months. It's said that you know, entrepreneurs are always hiring and always raising money. And in both of those, taking a long-term perspective on where you're going to need to get to uh, can, can give you an edge. Great. So we reached the end of the discussion. It was short and on point, exactly as us and also Israeli entrepreneurs like. So thank you very much for joining. Thank you for uh, participating in the podcast. Thank you, Peleg. Thank you, Peleg. Thank you for listening to McKinsey Israel on High Tech. Subscribe to our podcast and feel free to contact us at israelpodcast at mckinsey.com to share your thoughts, comments, and suggestions.